0: to the Holden Village podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. My name is Jason DeRose. I am... Western Bureau Chief at NPR News, and also the Religion Editor at NPR News. And the sessions that I'm doing are called Religion in Public Life, colon, The Journalist and the Theologian. And I've broken up that topic into three sessions. One is on religion and immigration, one is on religion and race, and one is on religion and LGBTQ rights. And so what I've done is each of those sessions, I pick three or four pieces that I've edited over the last few years that address the intersection of religion and public life and immigration, or religion and public life and race, or religion and public life and LGBTQ rights. So each of the sessions has looked at how people of faith, church groups, synagogues, mosques have uh, responded to certain issues in the news. So for instance, I'll start with immigration. You know, During this administration, there's been a lot of regulation or changes of law or attempts to change law or rules about immigration into the United States. And I've really seen a major voice emerging from faith-based organizations that have deep concerns about these, these changes in immigration policy. In that session, I looked at how large church groups like Catholics, Jews, Lutherans, so forth, are sort of lobbying, responding to, publicly speaking out against the Trump administration's policy of not wanting to allow refugees or um, undocumented immigrants into the country. Another piece looked at how congregations actually grow because immigrants come into the United States. So especially in Texas, a lot of of Latino congregations grow because Latinos who come in through the southern border are the, are peopling those congregations, are the people filling the pews. And in fact, in an era of decline in American congregational life, meaning smaller and smaller congregations, the only growth seems to be from immigrants, specifically um, Latino immigrants along the southern border. And then we also looked at a story about. Um, Churches either offering sanctuary or preparing to offer sanctuary for undocumented immigrants and refugees in the United States, which was a nice sort of historical piece. We looked at a current congregation, you know, basically putting trundle beds and bunk beds in its Sunday school rooms and a second congregation just a few blocks away that in the 1980s had housed um a refugee from Central America, and in fact, how she, she now was a citizen, or I think she now was a green card, but how they really offered her a place to live for many, many months uh, while she was seeking asylum status in the United States. So that was the immigration and religion section. The second session I did uh, this week is on the intersection of religion, public life, and race, So, which could go in a bunch of different directions, but the several that I wanted to look at were a congregation in the San Francisco Bay area that was trying to integrate. Basically, there was an almost entirely white or an entirely white congregation, an entirely black congregation, and how the two pastors decided to come together so, and form one congregation. And you know, the, we looked at sort of the struggles of like what that might mean, what integration would look like, what people's fears were, what their hopes were, and what the real you know, roadblocks were to making that happen. Another story, which is probably, I think, one of the most interesting stories on this topic, another congregation in the San Francisco Bay Area that's decided to stop calling the police, and they say that that is an act of justice on their part, that too often police are called, even in some instances when it's you know, a, a serious crime, and that things go south if the people you're calling the, the police on are African-American, that, that there is a tendency to be more afraid and to call the police in unwarranted situations, but also a tendency for if those situations um, involve police, that they could become violent. And so this was a congregation that was really sort of thinking theologically about why they did not want to involve the police in the in their own congregational lives or in the lives of people who were members who maybe felt afraid because, you know, they were... Being threatened by somebody in the in the community who was who was specifically African American, and they also looked. One of the pieces we looked at was a story about how the the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, is which is a, a Jewish organization that really looks at anti-Semitism is, has been trying to expand its mission and look at race issues and LGBT rights and immigration rights, but has a backlash happening, especially from people from Black Lives Matter, who say that, well, because the ADL also supports Israel and Israel's policies towards Palestinians, that they can't really be a civil rights organization that has a broad base, because Black Lives Matter folks say that, well, it was Palestinian youth who, you know, have been treated poorly by the authorities who were tweeting at them in Ferguson or elsewhere about how this is what we're seeing here. This is how the police treat us here in, in Jerusalem or Ramallah, and this is how you are we see this is how you're being treated there in in the United States. It's a pretty complicated complicated story because the ADL is really trying to have this intersectional mission that sees discrimination and hatred as not just a one-access um, issue, but multifaceted, but they're getting a lot of criticism from from Palestinian rights groups. The final session is on the intersection of religion, public life, and LGBT issues. Which I'm trying to avoid do, doing cover, doing pieces in these in this session, or I am avoiding in this session doing pieces about like what are the Methodists doing about what are they saying in their votes about gay clergy or same-sex weddings, because that's a denominational issue, which is. You know, important, and we do cover it, but I'm not sure that that's public life writ large. So I'm trying to look at you know how people of faith are working with legal organizations or faith-based legal organizations have been trying to trying to help um, businesses not provide services, wedding services like flowers or cakes or invitations to same-sex couples. So that's one of the pieces. Another story that I'm really interested in this section is a look at how post-Stonewall, the riots that sort of are marked or thought of as the beginning of the modern LGBT rights movement, um, set off a series of back and forths between LGBT rights and conservative Christians or the religious right, and how basically those those two groups have formed an agenda or formed agendas in relationship with each other over the past 50 years that, you know, Stonewall happens, a number of LGBT civil rights ordinances are passed in cities around the country. And then the religious right notices this and starts to respond by saying these are not a good idea. And then because of those, that move to repeal those ordinances the LGBT rights movement creates a new strategy. And so it's two large groups sort of forming their agendas in concert with each other. It's not one movement. It's two sides of the same coin and how they're almost codependent on each other for their mission and their understanding of what the world should be like. So those are my sessions that I've been doing the past couple of weeks here at Holden. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.